Hey folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week, we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... We have 10 Things I Hate About You, directed by Jill Younger. We have Mean Girls from 2004 by Mark Waters. The Devil Wears Prada by David Frankel. Easy A by Will Cluck. And finally, Mean Girls, directed by Samantha Jane and Arturo Perez Jr. So it's going to be a great show, folks. Stay tuned and enjoy. Buddy. Tommy boy, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay on this side of the table. How was your teen week? <laughs> I mean, it was a teen week for you. It was a you. teen week. Alternative title for this episode, folks, is how many times can I mention John Hughes before having a stroke? <laughs> uh, because, boy, did I do my homework on uh, on these type of movies in that John Hughes study. I mean, really. I really, I liked, I liked the films you went. I feel like you might have taken a bullet for the team. <laughs> On this one, <laughs> I think we both took a bullet for the team. Uh, we did. Do, do you want to reveal? Yes. Well, <laughs> Vin and I went to go see the new Mean Girls movie yes, together. Right. Right. And um, what went from a um, what was going to be a uh, rousing time with uh, all of our friends. It was just Tom and I. It was by just the, the end two of, of us we just walking with with snow boots and. Uh, I had a good time. I had a good time. Really? Wow. Well, you know, with, with you going to see Mean Girls, the whole thing's hilarious. <laughs> I told Vin after we left, there was a girl, I don't know, probably like 12, okay. ne- next to me, yeah, yeah. edge of her seat, bopping her head, <laughs> clapping at one point, just so excited. And I turn over to see Vin slouched in his chair. <laughs> like just, melted. It just melted, melted. with disappointment and annoyance. <laughs> Uh, it was a very, uh, very good theater watch for All that. Right, right. Yeah, so, it was an experience for sure. <laughs> I did not get it. I did not watch uh, anything else, though. Okay, hey, uh, that, that that's all right. I, I was, mean, I was going to. Um, I had time. I, I've been. I actually watched a lot of movies okay. since we last spoke. Okay. Um, some research for birthday. Oh, right. And then some. He's I, I feel, the waters. <laughs> some you would be happy that I foregone. Uh, these movies. <laughs> okay. I've been going through the Alien movies. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Because I've never really seen a lot or any of Interesting. them. So I was like, all right, maybe it's time to do this. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've been enjoying myself. <laughs> it's, it's all over the map, right? <laughs> it really it's like is. really all over the map. I mean, the Alien it franchise really is. Is, is downright schizophrenic when it comes to tone and <laughs> message it has to tell and directors. I know. <laughs> Quality of product. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, you get into three and four and it's like, what, what is going on? Yeah. So uh, I took it upon myself to that was my research study for myself. Wow, wow! I've been going back through some old stuff too. Because okay. now that I'm, we're we're deep into the podcast, yeah, and I feel like I need to kind of like get my 
get earn my stripes a little bit. <laughs> You've so earned them. Yeah, but You've earned go em. back into some of those films. Yeah, and okay, stuff. fair, fair. Uh, let's just say I've I've have d- discovered along with millions of others. But boy, am I really enjoying Paul Newman. <laughs> I'm turning into a big Paul Newman fan. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So is that a hint at some birthday choices? Uh, no. I, you know, I went into some thinking maybe birthday. Uh huh. No. What are the Enjoyable? ones you dropped? I, I'm I'm dying to know. Uh, cool Hand Luke. Oh, okay. I was going to put the Sting on. The Sting is officially out. It's officially out. Yep. I think it, Cool Hand Luke is on one of our uh, Western lists, actually. It, I don't know if it is. No? I don't want ca- I would not categorize that as a Western. Oh, okay, So that's okay. definitely not a list I sent to you. Okay, okay. Uh, um, <laughs> and then I watched, I just watched The Hustler. Oh, uh, Billiards movie. Yes. Because I was thinking about watching that and then A Color of Money. Yeah. Which is also Paul Newman, Tom Cruise billiards movie. Yes, it's a kind of like a spiritual successor of sorts. Right. Like he's supposed to kind of play the same character or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think that's all the Paul Newman uh, shows. But far. those are dropped. Those are dropped. Oh, wow. So not good. What's right. what's no 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 good, good, <laughs> but not birthday. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> not uh wow. and, I, and I don't want to just do a Paul Newman study on, on birthday on podcast. It feels right. like a waste. You need to be more esoteric right. with Well, I had uh, <laughs> there was a film study that was going to be it for about three or four months. <laughs> I had birthday movie done, and I figured I can't, I can't do this. It would wow. be reprehensible. <laughs> it was going to be a Bart the Bear film study. What Bart the Bear? One of the most famous animal actors of all time, Bart, oh, Bart wow. the Bear, and he was in like twenty three pictures. Oh, okay. Um, but just so many of them, I just, just not good. <laughs> <laughs> I and mean, arguably, Bart the Bear the second, Bart the Bear two, uh, who just passed away recently, was in. Oh, that's a, that's a bear. That's a that's the name of the bear. Bart the second. Correct. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Same trainer and stuff. Uh, arguably, he had even a bigger career. But the original Bart the Bear was huge. He was at the Oscars. I, I think you're our animal actor, subject matter expert. Thank I you. I mean, really, that's this is this is new territory for me. They wanted to give him an Oscar. No and way. The Academy was like, We're, we can't give him out the animals. We can't. But he did present. <laughs> he presented. We at- make all the rules. We 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 can't do it. Though. <laughs> right. Uh, you can see him. I think it's on the ninth the ninety six Academy Awards, something mm. like that. He presented an envelope on stage. Um, to Mike Myers to read oh, the winners. Wow! Wow! Okay. So, uh, but we drop Bart the Bear. Bart the Bear <laughs> film studies is dropped. Folks, write in if you're looking for some Bart the Bear action. <laughs> I, I honestly, I couldn't name a single film. And not only so. that, we couldn't have our something fifties in there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Which out. is a requirement of the birthday episode. It's either that or a Vaughn, or Vince Vaughn, I feel like. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> both. It's <laughs> a Bond, a Vaughn, and a 50s. And then Bart. Bart. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, I've been doing my... But anyway, trying to get my sea legs a little bit. Watch some of the older stuff also, <laughs> just it. to, like, familiarize myself if sure. I'm going to be sitting here on mic. Maybe, maybe let me blabbering. know what you're thinking. I mean... <laughs> I can help you and point you in a direction. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So this week we went teen comedy heavy. I love it. And any more opening notes, or should we just get into it right away? No, not really. I mean, like I said, uh, I, did you come, were you depressed after this week? <laughs> or did you come away? You did make one. You told me earlier, you were like, you know, these are like an hour and a half. And yes. That, that was great. That's true. Yeah. The, the praise I have for this week is that these were light and breezy 90-minute films to the point that a normal two-hour film with Mean Girls felt too long. Yeah. It was, it was an hour and 52 only, by right. the way. And it <laughs> it felt too long. It wasn't even two hours. <laughs> but it, honestly, I, I just loved being able to not put a ring on these movies and just, uh, you know, just, just watch just a, watch a nice, breezy 90 minutes. It was, it was great. That's so. good. That's good. Okay, all right, so let's just jump into it right away. We're jumping way back to 1999, 
with a very young Heath Ledger. Mm. And we're going to do 10 Things I Hate About You. Also starring with him is Julia Stiles, both very young. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, very young. Yep, yep. And um, let's get into it. This is one I have not seen, I think, before. Mm. But relatively famous in like that teen comedy realm. Oh, absolutely. People like know the name of this film. Yeah, I feel like uh, all all five of the... Well, maybe not all five, but... but <laughs> I would say, I would say. The old movies this week, uh, the, the older throwback movies are all... Oh, new age teen classics yeah. uh, in a lot of ways. I say, and I feel like that almost starts in 99 with uh, 10 Things I Hate Okay, about sure, you, yeah. As far as uh, teen e- movies go. Easy A is probably the least known. Uh, sure. East Watch, least but, watch, but... Uh, definitely in the, the newer generation of uh, like Booksmart and yeah. um, Edge of 17 and there's like these, there's a there's a second wave yeah. of these yeah. new classics, so. Uh, okay, so 10 Things I Hate About You. Young Heath Ledger, R.I.P. How did we like this film? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I got to say, uh, I really enjoyed this one. Um, oh, wow, okay. Uh, I, it was a shock uh, that I enjoyed <laughs> this. Uh, this comes from TV sitcom directing veteran uh, Jill Younger. Uh, and let me tell you, folks, this movie is 1999 distilled into a black tar <laughs> heroine. Uh, I mean, this is... The late 90s, so much, it really hurts in a lot of ways. Folks, uh, just know that I have plenty of issues with the near-constant soundtrack blaring over uh, almost every one of these movies. It is a near-constant soundtrack in this movie, no doubt uh, to fuel its CD tie-in sales Mm. uh, coming in the late 90s. But I end up loving this movie quite a bit uh, for a lot of other great aspects. So I can't get caught up on what you all know I have a problem with and is no surprise I have a problem with soundtrack-wise. And in fact, nearly all of these movies, again, have... Uh, some degree of obnoxious soundtracks. Uh, I feel like it's almost a prerequisite for yeah. for, for, a, for a teen movie like this. <laughs> exactly. Uh, there's 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 really no design into it other than keep it snappy, move the scene along, and again fuel some sort of uh, sales to its uh, CD <laughs> demographics. So, uh, prior to watching this, I heard it was a high school spin on the Shakespeare story called the uh, called Taming the Shrew. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. The Taming of the Shrew, and believe it or not, was on my list for that reason, as I struggled to make a Shakespeare compilation for the site. (laughs) uh, We now have three under the belt, uh, because uh, I can confidently say this takes its literary uh, inspirations uh, on the nose, on the nose. Ten Things I Hate About You, Julia Stiles uh, plays a high school girl with a impossibly bad attitude. She is late 90s angst in that uh, schoolgirl can think she is badass just because she drives a beater car and goes to grunge shows. Uh, that's that's kind of all you need to get your... <laughs> to keep, she, she doesn't have to do anything else. Uh, that's basically about it. Uh, this chronically bad attitude uh, harms some of her sister's dating prospects as she is not allowed to date until they both have boyfriends. This gives everyone some skin in the game as they hire a local bad boy to date her for cash. Uh, I can't say I, mu- I know much about Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger beyond uh, a-, a few things, but this is his first early standout role for him, which I was really above everything most curious to see uh, if yeah. he lived up to the hype kind yeah. of thing. In short, um, 
yeah, both our leads are all right. I really wasn't crazy about the romance here. My real praise goes to the super fun supporting cast with this one. Okay. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt coming off of his own TV stardom, I think, is great. Uh, David Krumholtz, uh, who was huge in the Disney and Christmas movie space at the time, uh, also recently in Oppenheimer. So who knows? Maybe we'll see a, <laughs> a resurrection of uh, Krumholtz. Um, Gabriella Union, uh, looking stunning in this. Uh, a year before the iconic movie, Bring It On, uh, itself being a strong competitor for this week, uh, as far as teen rom-coms, uh, and a handful of other adult characters characters that just kill it comedically. The movie doesn't drag at any point, despite the script being kind of Shakespearean in parts, despite it being 1999. All of this is because I feel like the supporting cast, everyone just worked despite mm. this kind of potentially clumsy script. And I feel like it's in these, these resting moments that we get just really dynamite supporting cast. Wow, they uh, really, so they brought it up a notch. Yeah, th th those were all my laughs of the film or on supporting cast. And again, mm. if, if anything, there was a degree of disappointment in that. Styles and, and, and Ledger, I, I, I don't know if it really, like, really works. I could see maybe back in the day that that's kind of like a, right. you know, uh, he, he's dreamy. She's, I don't know, again, she's just got a bad attitude. That's the character. So. I, I wonder if, I mean, it, it was probably done similar to that. I mean, I felt like some of the biggest laughs going back to when we watched 40-Year-Old Version mm. was purposely put on some of the supporting cast. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know? And maybe that's just a style or a trend or maybe an easy way out. Yeah. It's weird. Like you said, it could just honestly just be super clumsy, this film. Uh, if you're bringing in like that classical kind of Shakespearean language. Exactly. Or just the cadence and just the way that language kind of flows and moves. Absolutely. It's it's intentionally out of place here. Yeah. Uh, and, and in that script, I mean, this lands somewhere in between. Uh, a real Shakespeare story, and something like, uh, <laughs> it's something that I've referred to actually a few times now on the podcast, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet oh, spin. Yeah, uh, I, I really am not looking forward to the day that we, we touch on that movie, because I really don't <laughs> like that movie. But, and I, I kind of don't like Baz Luhrmann either. So. <laughs> no, we're not Baz yeah. Luhrmann fans on the podcast. So I need to stop mentioning it. <laughs> but um, it's in a fully modern high school setting uh, that is a that occasionally this old tiny dialogue is peppered in and what I feared most was actual lines ripped out of the play we do get that here uh, I'm surprised to say it actually works Mainly, I think, for the fact that the nerdy or loser characters are the ones to deliver those stilted phrases. And mm. when they are, it's usually a punchline in itself, kind of making fun of itself. Uh, that That's where... As well, it's 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 a double edged sword because I feel like that adding in these stilted lines yeah. were fun punchlines and got real laughs out of me. It's the same Achilles heel for why some of this romance between Ledger and Styles just wasn't wasn't great. It wasn't amazing. Okay. And you might think uh, that's the most important part. I'm walking away with this film and saying, uh, forget it, it's, it's whatever. There's <laughs> other things to really love about this film. And uh, probably the arc of those two characters are maybe a little bit uh, 
you can presume. Oh uh, yeah, they're set in stone right. because they that's that's the primary movement of you know the play. Uh, I've never read that, right? But, right. Uh, presumably, that's where they have the kind of the role to fill, uh, rather than just kind of going in their own direction. I'm glad that the play stuff was kind of folded into comedy mm. rather than trying to just like make it work and yeah. not be this hoity-toity confusion type right. thing. You know? Or even just knows in its air, thinks it's too good. Oh or something yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And that's what I was really scared of. But yeah. uh, I mean, a great example is that someone will say that, and and you know, the running joke is, you know, quiet, shut up. Girls are okay. going to hear you. <laughs> you know, and so it's it's poked fun at in, in a good way, and uh, I, I think surprisingly, if anything, against all odds, my yeah. favorite phrase, <laughs> uh, not something ah, that made my skin crawl. So, uh, like I said, though, there are things to love about this film, and I am not kidding. There is some really good cinematography here. Uh, I am 45 minutes into this f-ing movie, Tom, and I had paused this three times wow. to write down notes for shots. This is a good-looking film. This has some filmmaking to it, and honestly, wow. watching it really shot me in the foot for the rest of the week because I was waiting for exciting filmmaking in any of these other ones, and they, they, they just never thought to do so. Uh, just, it's not their priorities, so I don't want to hold it against them, but... Um, this was a exciting film because it really was something gorgeous to look at. Um, two great examples. I'm shocked by that. Okay, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't expect this comment coming you know, out of this film. Right, right. <laughs> Ten things I hate about you. No. Uh, it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's worth paying attention. Again, 45 minutes in, I paused it three times. Wow. Okay, it was okay. Unreal. all right. unreal. Uh, two great examples. We get a, a simple but effective stairwell shot, a shot at fly, uh, party flyers kind of falling down the school stairwell. And I, and I like it just because it, it hangs a lot longer than you think, but uh, it's, it's really a nice shot. There's also several and I, I, I kid you not, Tom. Um, Several oneers. There are one shots, one takes <laughs> in this movie, in this teen rom com. Uh, the Seattle club scene uh, is great, and let me tell you, the, what was the third <laughs> pause that I basically took all these notes for was a house party into Biggie's Hypnotize. That are both excellent examples of dialogue being snappy, being fun. And the comedy thriving from all of that with these these oneers, these shots. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's unreal. Yeah, I don't uh, know what to say because I'm presumably you went through this guy's stuff. Uh, right, right. So Mark <laughs> Irwin is on the lens here, folks, and uh, you know his recent career. We'll call it safe. I'll, I'll be a little, <laughs> it'll be nice. He's <laughs> safe, but. Um, from 94 to 03, he's got some gems. Um, uh, we see him working in kind of the revitalized horror space like New Nightmare and the original Scream, which is kind of exciting. Uh, but also comedic hits like Dumb and Dumber and uh, very much a new cult classic, old school. So uh, Very much in this comedy lane. Yeah. He does a, his biggest films that he does are, has done are pretty much comedy. Yeah, exactly. Except for, then he'll do like Big Mama's House 2. <laughs> Right, like right. he does. Flight Was Ni- that the safe one? <laughs> no, he goes from Big Mama's House two to Flight ninety three. Okay, uh, so he does uh, mix around a bit, but yeah. and now he's very much into looks like more kid stuff. Yeah, animation like, stuff. And yeah. he's a working guy now. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's a that's a, a kind kind way to put <laughs> nice it. Nice way to say it. Uh, I'm telling you though, okay. the cinematography here, the filmmaking, uh, I was really impressed with. I I, I really it, it took. What was a 
I mean, it, it took what I thought was going to be a painful movie from the script, uh, a movie I was curious about for Heath Ledger, but not liking their chemistry almost immediately on screen. Right. And I was just able to appreciate so much about it because I was like, <laughs> damn, this is like a, a well-shot movie. <laughs> it's really surprising and pleasantly so. Um, you know, I can't believe I, I, I'm saying this, but it's filmmaking of all things that propelled this further for me. Specifically, it propelled it out of... Uh, the John Hughes high school party shell, which is a, a dark cloud that honestly hangs over all of these mm-hmm. that we're covering this yeah. week. I think if the music wasn't so obnoxious and romance a bit less stilted, uh, honestly, I think this might be even up there with what I would consider the greats like Scott Pilgrim and Ferris Bueller. But for now, we're going to go ahead and give 10 Things I Hate About You, 1999, a 73. Okay, I mean, 73 is a very good score. If you're new to the podcast in 2024, if you're in the 70s, that is a good or yeah. very good movie. Absolutely. Uh, starting off strong, 73% <laughs> for 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. Was, was this was, the first one you watched uh, uh, of the was, week? It was. And that's why I say I, I kind of shot myself in the foot being so in tune with looking at like shots and editing and filmmaking. Oh, I love it that, though. I mean, that I don't know. <laughs> I had to, when I went to my notes the second time to refine things, uh, I really had to kind of maybe dial back some <laughs> of my criticism because I was like tearing apart some films. And it's not that bad. Uh, and a shout out to Mark Irwin too. Probably hey, one of the few. Let's great- have him on the Bark podcast. <laughs> Come uh, on, Mark. Okay. All right. So that's 73%, <laughs> 10 things I hate about you. Let's jump to 2004. This is the classic. This is Mean Girls, and boy, let's just get into it. I don't know how much you're going <laughs> to yeah, be referencing you... twenty the twenty four uh, one, but Lindsay Lohan and Mean Girls. What did you oh, What did you think? Let me tell you, I I got some thoughts on Lindsay Lohan. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but uh, Mean Girls, that, that was actually going to be my question I wanted to throw to you uh, right away. Is this too young to be considered a classic, or do we call it a new classic? Splitting no. hairs, but you think it's a straight up classic? Yeah. Okay. Two thousand. I mean, we're twenty years out of it. Yeah. I, th- I think. Yeah. I think maybe that's a good. Po- that's a good question, actually. How long does a movie have to be out for mm. until you're able to call it a classic? Yeah. Yeah. It's just just a thought process that so I was having this years? week. Yeah. When when could you officially say that the Dark Knight was a classic? Oof. Tough. I love the Dark Knight is what you go to with this. We gotta, we gotta man up this. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I mean, that one, I mean, just because it's so one of the best ones of the century so yeah, far. Yeah, true, true. But in 2018, could you say, oh, that's I a classic? I like the 10 year rule. I, I mean, splitting hairs, but just, okay. just kind of a thought. I think this is just because, I mean, this was a hit when it came out, but I just felt like this had lasting power. Like, yes. people love this movie. Absolutely. People Absolutely. love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Directed by Mark Waters here, who is. Uh, I won't hold any punches. Mostly a terrible director. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But this is really about Tina Fey's writing career as this was her first project out of SNL. And she has been attached ever since, including the new movie this week, Mm -hmm. the Broadway show. uh, And, I mean, Mean Girls is really her baby and uh, a little bit of a cash cow, I'd imagine. Uh, Most of all, uh, a legacy spawned from this movie, uh, making it a new classic that fuels itself into that successful Broadway show and, uh, I will say, as a lot of people's favorite teen comedy for for how fetch it is <laughs> yeah, good one good, right yeah, yeah oh you get that because you watched the new one right uh mean girls is a conniving gossipy story of manipulation at the hands of the hottest girls in schools 
the plastics. Uh, Lindsay Lohan plays a homeschool transfer student from Africa, introduced to a new type of jungle filled with predators she must navigate as she learns the new rules of the wild. Uh, She finds an equal place among nerds and misfits, but also the coveted spot at the plastics table, which spawns a plan to take down the queen of them all, Regina George, played wonderfully by Rachel McAdams in a, in a very early role for Rachel McAdams as well. It's crazy early that for everyone. I, she does this film in 04, mm-hmm. and already she plays like a more of an adult yeah. kind, of, kind of young female in, uh, in Wedding Crashers. Yeah, yeah, it's right. one year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the way they kind of like age her, de-age her a little bit in these right. films is kind of right. funny. And also, how far is this from like The Notebook? Was that 2006, 2008? Oh, it might just be a year yeah. later. Yeah. It might be 06, yeah. Which is, I mean, yeah. I, I think she was 24 when they shot. mm or something, or maybe Lindsay Lohan was twenty four. I can't remember, but yeah. I think everyone was in their young twenties filming it. Yeah, yeah. Which and it comes across as high school age. Absolutely, much. absolutely. I think they do a great job with that. Um, uh, you know, it might be the biggest stretch I make all episode, but especially with how the second act is structured in the this original Mean Girls, I think it really does work like heist film works. Uh, we learn the ins and outs of the school setting, not just because it's a fun teen comedy. Each piece of gossip or each gossip around a character plays a part in a ramping story of taking Regina down. No less, uh, it's a fresh take on the story structure because the prize jewel of the burn book uh, is used to flip the story on its head and gives Faye, as the writer here, the breathing room to ease into the message of the film without it being too campy or schmaltzy or, and actually hit as real as we see the collapse of the school. You know, I, I would say that while there's a lot to love in concept and in script, acting is where we see a stumble. And folks, I am sorry, but is <laughs> Lindsay Lohan high in this entire movie? I mean, this girl has got straight up red eyes in every other scene. I had no idea. It is unreal. <laughs> This movie had me playing with the color settings on my TV. I said, no I, way. I have never heard this critique ever <laughs> until you ever been. People talk about Mean Girls. Right. Oh, people talk people about talk it. People talk about Lohan. I, <laughs> I mean. Uh, this is the first time I heard this critique. I, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to show Tom a picture right now, and you tell me. Uh, is this woman... <laughs> Is this woman stoned or not? Uh, that's she is gone. She's gone. She's gone. And I, I'm I'm telling you, watch this movie. There are scenes where she looks normal. Lohan is gorgeous during this time, and and, and I, I gotta say, a lot of love towards her too. She was a serious crush for me growing up, but. Stoned or not, she is just not a great actress, <laughs> and and I think on top of that is that we you really do get a fluctuating, fluctuating, varying quality to her acting performance in this one, and you know again is she better stoned or better sober? I, I think maybe better stoned. Okay. <laughs> maybe she's looser. She's yeah, looser, she's loosened so. up. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I gotta say, I mean. It really is unreal, folks. Wa- watch this movie just to just to tally, just to count. Make a drinking game out of it <laughs> every time you see her. And uh, circling back to what I was saying, though, she has scenes where her eyes, gorgeous, yeah. white, pearly. You know what I mean? <laughs> She's great. And then there's definitely other scenes where she... It's a bloodshot. It's bloodshot. Oh. 
It's unreal. Um, After watching the new one, I will give credit to Lohan's performance nailing the plastic side of the performance. Mm, Okay. uh, Where the new casting I didn't feel worked at all. Uh, Yeah, it's not great acting across the board. And I feel like it really limits what is otherwise a a, a great movie. Uh, I also find it funny that Lohan kind of makes a career out of these mischievous roles. Mm. Um, The Parent Trap really just must be her finest work. (laughs) And the Parent, yeah, I've got this, The Parent Trap, uh, Freaky Friday. Sure, mischievous. Right. Herbie? I was just, is Herbie the one with the car? Yeah, yeah. She doesn't turn into a car, though, right? Does <laughs> the car... Have... Early Transformers. Okay. <laughs> Michael Bay saw Herbie. He was like, all right. Does, uh... <laughs> we got to get it going. Is there something with the, the car as a personality, yeah, though, right? Yeah, I think, I think it's like a like a Knight Rider, like the car ah. has a mind or <laughs> okay, something. Okay, okay. Uh, her, isn't Herbie like a 70s thing? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, uh, one of my concerns with the new film was that they were never going to outdo Regina George, and... Again, that is, I feel like it's just perfectly played by Rachel McAdams in this. Uh, but I can 100% say you will never outdo her mom, played by Amy Poehler, in this. Uh, she had mm. me dying laughing <laughs> in some parts. The cool mom bit just felt so wonderfully 2000s. and uh, She crushed it. Oh, yeah. You could just tell as well that... Polar was tuned in in a way that I'm not even I don't know who plays the mom in the new one, but Polar is just she's worked with Faye, you know. What I mean, yeah, she yeah, knows yeah. where to where to drive it home. They probably were brainstorming together yeah. in SNL on this. So, uh, and 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 Amy Polar, I mean, this this week is a week of amazing, funny, fun supporting actors and actresses. Amy Polar, I mean, absolutely kills it. Okay, it I'm gonna her, go back and watch your scenes. Yeah, it's just it's just the 2000s fun mom. Um, quote unquote is just fantastic. <laughs> what kind of shot this in the foot a little bit uh, was I was expecting more on a rewatch. Um, I, I felt like many scenes will have uh, a great comedic rhythm but are cut short in the edit. Uh, a really good example of this is the cafeteria introduction scene, which um, will be built upon in Easy A, and you'll see it's just kind of lets it run a little bit longer, and I feel works better comedically. I, I this is really across the board with this first Mean Girls. I feel like editing was a little bit of a of a rough spot because mm. the comedy is there. Just let it run a tiny bit more. If anything, I was kind of craving the languishing scenes of uh, of the Apatow study. Mm, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or maybe maybe my my taste is soiled by Apatow. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, interesting critique though that you're picking up on that. Yeah. That the scenes were cut too quick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially with how good some of these supporting comedic performances are, I, I wanted the editing to give breathing room to it, not if for improv or something sloppy, but just to the the great script that's there. Uh, right. Amanda Seyfried uh, is is a great example of funnier scenes when things are left alone. Uh, I feel like uh, she's she's able to be left alone okay. a lot. I would say in the unavoidable comparison game this week, uh, I think this is worth a watch because of its novelty and because of its message. Tina Fey really was able able to break away from your typical teen flick with this, uh, even beyond my repeat nods to John Hughes. And it's able to do so because it revels in its catty fun while also having something meaningful to say about its viewers, about avoiding girl-on-girl crime. Uh, and that's where I think this, is, this, this timeless aspect comes into play when people call it a new classic. Yeah, We're going to yeah. go ahead and give Mean Girls 2004 a 67.
Okay, all right, it's 67. Yeah. yeah th- that's, that's a very respectable score, especially considering we're talking about teen comedies here. <laughs> right. uh, these are actually, these are pretty good. Yeah, you know? yeah, these are these are punching above what, what I would normally Yeah, you were get. sitting there exhausted of just like how bad they <laughs> right, were. Right, uh, I think that's very fair. 67% for Mean Girls, yeah. and uh, I love the comment. That's a good review. I love the commentary there. <laughs> So, you like you like how much of a problem I have with Stone Lizzie. That's <laughs> <laughs> just a plus. That's just a bonus. Uh, let's keep it going along. Uh, we're two years later. This is 2006. And again, I would probably put this into another classic. Uh, this is The Devil Wears Prada, mm. uh, directed by David Frankel. And this isn't, I don't know, this isn't like high school teen comedy. No, no, This no. is just very beloved by girls yeah, of the yeah. time and, and continue. Right. Believe me, I tried to avoid the landmine field of calling these movies chick flicks or something like that because I really don't uh, agree that they are. If anything, a lot of these teen romances, they're meant for the whole family in a lot of ways. Yeah. That's where I feel like we get a lot of love to supporting characters. But this one is definitely the odd movie out this week, uh, departing from that usual high school setting and fitting equally into the played out two thousands rom-com as well yeah, that's a good point uh yeah w- would you agree also cl- would you put this in the classic kind of uh yes yes it's it it so well known yeah if only for meryl streep but also because it is so beloved uh ties into the book then and yeah yeah so. uh but like our last film uh, many will call this uh, a-, a classic uh, whether whether it's my judgment or not whether it's our judgment or not and i think this fits well into the week on what Tina Fey once again calls girl-on-girl crime because this is definitely about some (laughs) girl-on-girl crime. This is directed by HBO veteran David Frankel. Uh, However, all eyes are on Lauren Weisberger, writer of the hit novel. This was originally based on the equally posh and toxic management behind Vogue magazine, specifically the editor-in-chief Anna Wintour. Uh, the aspects of the story pulled from Lauren's own experience as an assistant. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, and I think it feels wonderfully authentic as a dive into that fashion world for that reason. Originally, I had to note that I kind of liked, I, I kind of didn't like that they didn't have actual brand names. They have a lot of approximate names of like magazines and whatnot. But uh, after doing you know, the deep dive of research into how true this was, it's really yeah. just to protect probably Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. Oh, we get lawsuits left and right. Exactly. Yeah, it'd be, yeah, yeah. It'd be a nightmare. Yeah, I, I mean, and and if there's any hype to the devil uh, of of Anna Wintour, then uh, I would have no doubt she would go after her in some way. Maybe even tried. It almost surprised me to to hear that that everything's so covered up or relabeled mm. when Prada is in the title. Uh, it's not everything. Big big brands are there. I okay. just feel like uh, it exists in the ma- fashion magazine world and. I, I'm gonna be, you know, I'm definitely gonna be on the island by myself in this type of critique. But I kind of wanted more the corporate aspect. Wow. Okay. All right. Okay. Where's right. the real Vincent Daly? Where is he? This is new stuff going on here. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. So you wanted more of an Adam Sandler uh, no. product placement. I mean, the man who hates product yeah, placement. No, no, no. Back away from it. Back away from it. Uh, the, Interesting critique. No. No. It's half. Boy, if it was a snake, it would have bit me. It was a snake. <laughs> the Devil Wears Prada, though, uh, follows Andy Sachs, uh, played by Anne Hathaway, uh, in an equally iconic role as uh, Meryl Streep, a uh, smart and clueless graduate looking to crack into the world of magazine journalism. Little does she know, cracking into the world of fashion may take more 
than she was ever ready for as being the assistant to Miranda Priestley uh, takes over your whole life. Shockingly, Andy ends up being pretty damn good at her job, but the drama balances on trying not to lose herself to this new, exciting phase of her life. Uh, of course, I am very late to the party on this one, folks, but Meryl Streep is great here, uh, mm. without a doubt. I think before this rewatch, I just kind of lumped this performance of Meryl's into her usual kind of high-quality acting. Mm. This time, however, I was able to really appreciate how the role she serves specifically as a mirror for uh, Anne Hathaway mm. in this story. I, I, I really did love that this this performance is kind of an iconic figure of the moment she steps on on screen, both within the movie and for us watching. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, she's iconic within the world of the of the movie, and uh, nearly every scene serves to be that mirror of what Andy is trying to avoid becoming. And I, I feel like I had a lot more appreciation for her utility in the story uh, on top of this great performance. Uh, a little hammy performance, but deliciously hammy. And kind of uh, selling it, too. I feel like with Meryl Streep sometimes, it's it's on autopilot. Mm. You know? I don't want to say phoning it in, but an, an autopilot where you know you're getting a good performance. That's Here's just, another Oscar nom. And at, it, right. Things can kind of seem flat mm. or you can't connect with. You sure. can't get there completely. Mm -hmm. That's good to hear that she, you know, it, it's not just Meryl Streep in a role. Exactly. She's, she's owning it. That's she's, exactly she's what I hers. mean as well by, uh, I just kind of lumped it in. I just said, oh, okay. You know, it's right. Not. You would put this more into like her role in adaptation. Uh, sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Where Absolutely. she really grabs that. Absolutely. And she kind of just, just acts. You yeah. Know? Just yeah. acting her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going crazy. Uh, I, I would say the upside to Meryl being able to excel in the devil side of her persona uh, makes the slippery slope of the career moves in this movie unexpected. And not that this performance pulls the wool over your eyes, but you're just so infatuated and wanting Meryl to be on screen again that you kind of don't expect a lot of the areas that the movie goes even with it being fairly generic you know yeah yeah I would say big love to my boy Stanley Tucci in this uh, yes. I, uh, a really standout supporting role for him uh, I personally see uh, think we see him be funnier in the up and coming Easy A uh, but his character Nigel has a, a wonderful little arc in the third act and um, that's where I kind of wish the story stayed there uh, as well uh, within the manipulative corporate drama uh, with the stakes being driven by these fashion plot events. I think where the, this film lost my attention, uh, if it was anywhere, it was in the romantic stakes thrown in. Mm, yeah. um, it's where I felt the relationships inside the magazine company uh, were much more compelling. And that's where I'm coming from as far as the more corporate side. Okay, that's it. fine. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm going to walk it back. <laughs> as far as the love story stuff, it's almost too plug and play in a yes, film like this. Like it, exactly. It actually bites more in other areas of the film. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, I, I think where this genericness comes up, it's in its 2000s New York rom-com shell, already done to death at the time. Um you know, I wouldn't mind doing a study on the origins of this, a la John Hughes. There's the third one, folks. Uh, but, but now, let's call this, uh, I don't know, in the shadow of When Harry Met Sally, or even worse, living in the shadow of Hitch. Uh, I was going to say Hitch. Okay, good, you brought it up. Hitch was 05. It wins. Yeah, yeah. It wins. We got to watch that. We got to watch that. That's a great movie. 
We really do. <laughs> Keep my wife's name out of your Prada bag. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I'm not talking about the fashion world itself. None of that is generic, if anything. That's the deep dive. And I, I, I haven't fun. read that, the book. That's but... what's separating itself yes. from a generic film. Exactly. But everything else, it's her best friend group with the co- token gay character. It's the predictable swings of the romance arriving pre-scheduled at the end of Act 2. You know, the skeleton is what was lacking for me here, uh, but there was still so much to love in the meat of what the story was about, if that makes sense. Yeah, and a little Tucci doesn't just doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> and he's really great. He's like... He Tucci, gets a, he really is great. He is. He is. I mean, he, I've come... Not that I ever disliked him, right. but he was just like an actor. He was He's always a working like, actor, yeah. And then, but I see him more and more, and it's like this dude kicks ass yeah. on all of the films he's in. Yeah, absolutely, love absolutely. it. He's also kind of inherited uh, Anthony Bourdain's role as uh, as kind of cook with a personality a little bit. Top so. three. It's my top three traveling food show. Mm, Have yeah. you given a lot of love to his CNN uh, show? Uh, no, no, uh, I haven't seen too much. But isn't it all like uh, Italy themed? It's Italy based. Oh, that's great. Uh, Tucci going around Italy and food. It's a wonderful show. That's great. Bourdain, Tucci, mm-hmm. and I will I will die and <laughs> hold the flag <laughs> for one of the best traveling cook shows. Okay. On, even with the, all the internet stuff now, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Emerald Lagasse's one and only season he did <laughs> when Amazon just started doing originals. Really? Okay. He won an Emmy for it. Wow. The show won an Emmy. It was just one season? It was just one season. <laughs> You know, and then I turn it on. You know, I turn it on the TV, and he's selling stuff in those terrible infomercials. Oh, well, but well, t- we I'm... fell for that. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna tell that story. The crazy, he's still selling products though. He's, that he's ice, a salesman. That, that ice cream machine we bought was horrible. <laughs> Horrible. I don't even think but. we were under any influences, but uh, folks, Tom and I at one point bought Emerald Lagasse's ice cream maker. Uh, I don't QVC. It was <laughs> the only thing I ever bought. Oh right, over yeah, QVC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but oh, anyway, right. don't sleep on that Emerald Lagasse. I mean, <laughs> okay. it's, a, it's an Amazon property, so it's on there. Sure, One and sure. Emmy, and I'm telling you, it's like when you. Was he always a TV chef? Was he always a joke? And then he watched this. He's like, no, the guy knows what's going on. Okay. All right. Interesting. All right. That was a beautiful tangent. Thank I, you. Uh, uh, Thank yeah, you. I love that as well that we were able to say that we fell for a QVC uh, scam. <laughs> you, remember the, 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 you remember the mint chocolate chip oh, we tried to make? Oh, so, it was disgusting. We, it was... And we swear. I mean, I know. I said something. I was like, there's no way this is good. There's no end. And then you kept on going. Who knows? Maybe something will happen. <laughs> in the churning process. It was just like a pound of dried mint yeah. into normal ice cream. And it didn't even taste that minty. It was, it was the, like dried leaves. You're like, there's it. no way this this isn't terrible. I don't know. <laughs> and then what, what was the recipe? The real mint chip? Yeah. So like, oh, yeah, man. we used the actual yeah, recipe yeah, yeah. from him. Right. It came with the churner. Oh, man. that That's a huge tangent. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that makes it in, folks. Uh, I, I will say my some of my wrapping up thoughts on Devil Wears Prada is that it, it's funny that some of my – well, one of my first few reviews for the podcast was for Corella. Um, yes. And I compared the concepts to this movie. Little did I know, Aileen Brosh McKenna helps write both of them. And now we have yep. you know really come full circle with this. Um I would say I cannot help but feel this movie, uh, Devil, Devil Wears Prada, is the movie that should be getting remade 20 years later. Who knows, maybe we'll stay tuned for 2026. Mm. I would say dust off some of those 2000s cobwebs, 
maybe get a new killer performance for Miranda and and hell maybe you know lean into uh I don't know like an A24 corporate thriller spin I'm just spitballing here but for what we have I think it's still well worth your time and if only for Meryl Streep's iconic performance we're gonna go ahead and give The Devil Wears Prada 2006 a 65 Okay, 65. That's yeah. 65 to me. We don't have many 65s mm, true. for some reason. That's, yeah. That really sticks out to me. But 65, that is a standard good movie. Yes. If anything, leaning is that fair towards to say? Absolutely. And I know those those words can be so, eh, you yeah, know, good yeah. is such a shit on word. Right, right. But if you just went, oh, that's a good movie for the mm-hmm. daily ratings, that is 65%. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow, okay. Respect. Respect all these films. Yeah. It would be fun to go through all of these films mm-hmm. and say which one's the double header. Mm, you know, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. what goes well with what. Absolutely. With what. But which, if there is a double header, it's, it's for sure Devil's Wear Prada's into, into Corella. A so. reboot? Yeah. And yeah. a reboot would be so interesting. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm honestly surprised they wouldn't because, not, uh, not knocking the, the, the author, but she hasn't really had anything this big of a hit. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm cynical. I think money talks. I would, yeah. oh, I, would yeah, yeah. I would expect they would want to, you know, resurrect this in some well, sort of way. Let's be fair. Maybe in 2026, mm. for the 20, after 20 years, right? maybe we, I mean, listen, they're grabbing IP wherever they can. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure it's going to be, you know, exactly. just in this ever-ending circle, yeah. never-ending yeah. circle of, yeah, we'll, we'll it'd be fun to, to cast, <laughs> and we can get some ideas from the folks at home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, Vin. All right. We're four years past the Devil's Wear Prada. We're in 2010. Mm. And this is with your girl, Emma Stone, <laughs> Easy A. Yeah, and I'm yeah. least familiar with Easy A out of all this. Oh, and, really? I, and I would say, I, I would assume that would go broadly for everybody. Uh, sure, sure. I, I think uh, Easy A, in that, in that thought process of classic versus new classic versus classic at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like this is a new classic for just beyond our generation because you and I we would grow up with Mean Girls not that it's right so the younger generation yes exactly the step below and that's where I feel like uh, some others are are stepping in there as well it would be considered new classes right so Um, okay easy A how how did we like a quick hour and 32 which is great uh, and also notice on the time, folks. I mean, what with the with the mega episode, I was done woo! talking about Rebel Moon by this point in in time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at this point in the, in the episode that was one a big time. Episode. Yeah. So um, uh, these these are nice, easy films. This is I didn't fun. Have to think too hard. We're having a good time. Well, not only that, we had a three-hour episode last week yep, as well. Yeah, exactly. So. We got to ease it up. All right, easy. Uh, a. How easy was it? Uh, well, <laughs> it's uh, from director Will Gluck, who probably has the worst name. Ever. Uh, <laughs> and sadly doesn't do anything great after this um, this includes Friends with Benefits a movie we cite often in the twin concept phenomena uh, I forget if we gave that a, a syndrome name the, uh, I don't think so of, uh, you know when, when the same concept is happening at the same you know in two different movies coming out at the same time I forget we, well, we, well, we, we did, really talked about it in an episode we talked about actual of the same movies coming out mm, I think right yeah 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 that's what we did Exactly. Yeah, two Jungle Books come out. Two Pinocchios yeah. oh, come, back, come true. out. Oh, Very true. I don't know what you call that. You can call that idiotic, maybe. <laughs> yeah, the word we can right. use for it. Bad, bad business. <laughs> uh, I got to say, this was this movie was really just the perfect culmination of the movies this week. Uh, swap out Shakespeare for The Scarlet Letter as your literary fuel for the rom-com. Uh, Emma Stone is our red-headed narrator, and if anything, we get Regina George uh, with a Christian spin and Amanda Bynes' character. Uh, so if you want to scare, look up Amanda Bynes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, sorry. That's mean. I mean, we love her. We love her. We grew up with Amanda Bynes. Right. Love Amanda's show. Tragic. But, tragic. Yeah, tragic. Uh, and, and hell, even Stanley Tucci plays the father in this. This was the, uh, <laughs> the nexus. This was the culmination uh, of all the movies this week. In Easy A, we see Bella Baxter brought back to life by the hands of Frankenstein-like doctor to explore her sexuality in the wider world. Wait, wait a second. Wait, <laughs> someone doesn't seem right here. That's, that, that's a different... Ah, uh, yes. In Easy A, Emma Stone <laughs> plays a sharp-witted high school loner, Olive. Uh, I love when you go off and do bits on your own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. I don't clear the bits with you. If anything, the bits are for me. They're jokes I'm telling are solely for yourself. I mean, I enjoyed it, but <laughs> <laughs> just for me, uh, watching all these goddamn movies. <laughs> Emma Stone plays the sharp wit. <laughs> Emma Stone plays the sharp witted high school loner Olive. Uh, just another face in the crowd until a certain rumor uh, gets started about her hooking up with a guy looking to shed his own reputation. Olive doesn't mind though. In fact, she might even like some of the attention. Gossip is for hire, and quickly she embraces her new role as the fake harlot of the school. Um, I would say standouts for Easy A, and even in the comparison game. Again, I really try not to compare these films one to one, you know, to each other. Right, but, right. Um, I think oh, it's a really solid script here. I, it got a lot of genuine laughs out of me. Writing wise, we are with Burt Royal, um, and hasn't done too much, but. Would happily cover some more scripts from him if he if he worked on something new. It was witty. It was snappy. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess he had some play into Big Hero Six. Not saying that uh, you know a comedic uh, brilliance uh, on the Disney side, but I, I think my point here is I would like to see more from Bert. I, I, I'm not sure what what happened to him is is career wise. Emma Stone is of course a huge spotlight here, doing her Mean Girls style narration, mm-hmm. uh, and I love her to death. I'll maybe balance some of my praise, though, and I could see this performance maybe being slightly annoying for some viewers if you're not into Emma Stone's shtick or her big personality that comes through in her acting. Right. Um, dialogue with everyone is so snarky and so sharp that I think Emma, being the core of it, might feel like overkill at times. Um, like, even the loser nerd characters are super charming, and she is then just magnified tenfold because of that. But, believe it or not, I think it all works out because of the tone of the film is deceivingly sweet. I feel for all the snark, all the sharp wittiness to Emma Stone's character, it's, it, once again, like Mean Girls, looks to be kind of like a raunchy movie, a teen movie. Yeah actually kind of has a heart of gold and a message to tell. Uh, And I feel Easy A falls exactly into that. Um, On that note, you know, though this seems like it is going to be the most raunchy out of all of our selections this week, uh, it really isn't. Despite the wonderful call-out to John Hughes in this from Emma Stone herself. Oh, that's cool. She did it for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It really does escape a generic structure it uh, appears to have. To me, this reminds me of something more like 2007's Charlie Bartlett, 
uh, kind of a weird uh, callback, mm. but serving as a kind of uplifting teen movie with edge. Um, it's been a while since I've seen that movie, but I think tone-wise, these two are close. Maybe even a doubleheader. Okay. <laughs> that that movie eludes me, actually. Um, it had uh, Robert Downey Jones, uh, Robert Downey Jr. in it, and uh, unfortunately, Chekhov, the the one that died, um, uh, oh, to the car. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's an early role for him, but had a had this edgy teen appeal. But yeah. when you watch the film, the message is more uh, lovey dovey, heart of gold than any movie you know what i mean right yeah, uh, yeah even one not trying to go for it so it's kind of trying to do a you know um some sort of uh switcheroo on you uh you go in kind of looking at this kind of raunchy yeah. comedy and, it's and it something slaps you across the face exactly. with a little sweet yeah exactly. a little sugar okay right with a message <laughs> <laughs> uh, i would say the the key element here is making the teen audience feel like they're watching something naughty uh and still having the message to deliver I would say plenty of films ride the wave in this coming year, in the coming years of this, uh, such as, like I said, Edge of Seventeen or Booksmart, or uh, we didn't cover it from last year, but um, I think it was just called Bottoms that it was still trying to be super raunchy, but then you know pull the wool over your eyes and it's actually something sweet. Right. Yeah. I would say uh, that that's where this film earns a slot and, and worth your attention uh, if you're in the mood for these teen romances, if you're in the mood for. Maybe a palate cleanser from <laughs> from Emma Stone and Poor Things. Uh, <laughs> I would say until I cover some of those more recent teen rom-coms, I feel like this does get to be called a new classic alongside the other picks this week. Um, if anything, this is the first pick of that next generation in the 2000s. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Movies. Yeah. yeah. Other than that... I don't really have too much more to say. Not saying that the film wasn't uh, as good as the others, but this one, I kind of, I, I didn't have much more to critique than I liked it. Uh, and I don't feel like there was... Maybe that's just where it lies. I, exactly. It was uh, it was uh, inoffensive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was sweet. And it still had the fun. It, in, it, it in had the enough, right? Parts. Had enough edge in there where it wasn't mm-hmm. a sappy or a a Disney Channel movie. Exactly, or like exactly. That. It has yeah. it had enough there to it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it sounds like performing. Maybe you got your least amount of comedy in this one. Is that fair to say? Or <sighs> no? Because it feels like everyone's really trying to be, you know, sharp and witty. Okay. All right. Um, the script's that good. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, but uh, if anything, that is kind of um, uh, could be a factor that turns people away from this. And that's where I want to kind of recognize it, even with specifically Emma Stone, that I feel like everyone is kind of a witty genius, even the mm, lowest right, of the losers right. in the high school, that maybe there's an unnaturalism. Uh, maybe it feels unrealistic, uh, depending if you're watching it. Yeah, uh, which I mean, you can, you can give it some slack. Yeah, exactly. See, this is where I was saying earlier, like, yeah. I feel like ten things I hate about you set the bar high. I was I was I was gunning for all these movies, <laughs> looking for gold. And it's just like, oh yeah, it's just you know, it's just a movie, you know. So, uh, t- uh, toning it back aside, I, I think this is a, a solid movie uh, and, and definitely worth your time. We're gonna go ahead and give Easy A 2010 a 68. All right, 68. I'm loving these scores. Yeah, I think they're really fair. I, th- I like them, and um... I think they're fair too. Yeah, and, and you know, they don't deserve to be crucified or to mm. take your knives out completely. And that's right. what, like, these are good. I like these scores. They're yeah. good scores. Yeah. And I, and I also think it's a very good balance mm-hmm. of 
you know, you're not a teen girl, so these are not in the <laughs> 90s for you. Right. Uh, but you're not someone who's just going to go and hate to hate. Uh, sure. Like a Mean Girls or something like that. That's you know exactly what I mean? like why it, I put aside all the uh, all my what could be copious critiques about the music. I was just like, they all have problems with music, so I'm right. not going to bother with this. Like, yeah, it's almost <laughs> something you need if you want to make it into the exactly, genre. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. Excellent, Finn. I love it. Well, folks, all right. We're going to go into our producer segment, Finn. Uh, welcome to 2024. Mm, we do have a producer. Excellent. And really an old friend of the show. We have Matt D. Matt D. Writing in for 2024. Uh, he donated a movie ticket. It was 1260 which it's still... I have to find out what the average movie <laughs> ticket was for 2023 and adjust fl- it. It's going to fluctuate. Inflation, the you know. market. <laughs> uh, Matt gave 1260 and I think it's because if you go through PayPal, you can like you can pay for whatever the transfer fee is oh, going to be. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but that sounds a little high. I have no idea. But 1260 <laughs> came hey, from we'll Matt Hey, we'll take D. it. <laughs> yeah, we absolutely will. Thank you, Matt. Uh, and he wrote in a nice note for us as well, Ben. So Matt D writes, a great job on the second inaugural Tom Daly Awards. A lot of fun. As with last year, the custom awards were the best part. Oh, hey! Yeah, absolutely. Wow! Absolutely. Nice. <laughs> he goes, I'm happy to hear you're rolling with the tags I have uh, I have requested before. Or I have won. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm happy to hear you're rolling with the tags. And I have one request, of course. Uh, as producer, that the original Dungeons & Dragons movie has to be a so bad it's good. Get a spig tag. You got it. You got it. And I think straight because Jamie Irons' performance. Oh yeah, so hammy. Was so good. So delicious garbage. Like oh yeah. I was just putting on um, House of Gucci uh, just yesterday. I was putting on House of Gucci on mm, the site, mm-hmm. and it made me recall back how disappointed we were at his. Mm. He was in that like we were not about his role yeah, in that. Yeah, no. His his accent I think was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, generally speaking, Jamie Irons is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Matt also writes, I have a few movies to highlight myself, if that's okay. Mm. Uh, a few movies from 2023 that you didn't cover and some from 2024 that I'm excited and weren't mentioned. Sure. Uh, so for 2023 films that Matt's, that Matt's interested in seeing is Unicorn Wars, which I, did, I have not heard about this. He says, <laughs> a Spanish animated film about a holy war between teddy bears and unicorns. <laughs> Because it's very funny and violent and intense. So Unicorn Wards. Uh, this one, Rustin, a biopic about Bayard Rustin, which we did say uh, yes. kind of fell through the cracks a little bit yep, yep. Uh, for us this year. was on our radar a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's about the organizer of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. He was a huge part of the fight for civil rights, and almost no one knows who he is. Uh, that's another That's another one that falls to the victim of Netflix's marketing. Because I feel oh, like no one release? knew about the movie. That was yeah. a Netflix I'm pretty sure, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't know that. Uh, Okay, he also says, It Lives Inside is a film he's interested in, Mm. a horror film that belongs in the, quote, elevated horror category for its strong themes. Um, A spirit haunts a community of Indian Americans, and they have to learn how to fight back. I think I might have saw this, like a trailer for this, and actually was somewhat interested it's, uh, as new. far as the genre it's and everything. It's, no, it's, these are 2023. Uh, okay. Got it, got Still it. Still 2023. And then he says, honorable mention, The Wrath of Becky, a short and fun slasher flick uh, that subverts the genre. So, okay. 
film set. I didn't, sure. I didn't know three of those, yeah. honestly. Uh, I also love just the, the, you know, the awareness of it, coverage on it. So yeah. that's great. All right, so they're 23. Maybe maybe 2024, something, put them on a list. Uh, then they, these are the 2024 films that we didn't mention last oh, okay. week. okay. I think we hit about like 20, 24, 25 yeah, films last segment. week we talked yeah. about. Uh, there were two, and I knew it was going to happen. The episode ended. There were two I forgot about, <laughs> uh, and Matt picks up on one of them here. So the 2024 films, the films that Matt are exci- is excited for, we have Civil War, an Alex Garland-directed mm. A24 film about a near future in which the U.S. Uh, fractures into a civil war. Yep. Thoughts on that? Uh, I like Alex Garland. Uh, Men was very... I mean, it's a doozy. It's, <laughs> it's a doozy of a film. I kind of, uh, as a big Alex Garland fan, I feel like this concept is a little bit beneath his cerebral films. Right. Uh, it feels a little bit on the nose, uh, but that's about it. I'll, I'll wait to watch. How the can movie. he elevate it? Because it has. I mean, Jesse Plemons is in it. Like <laughs> it's got is, big actors, which is a hated actor of Matt D. Actually, oh really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Matt D. has an axe to grind well, really? with Jesse. Plemons. Oh, I would like to get his yeah. that. J- Jesse Plemons. I didn't like it for years. Sure, sure. Uh, I thought he was just kind of like a, a nothing bargain bin. Yeah, actor. Yeah. Uh, I've since really come around to him. Really, and okay. have been enjoying him more and more. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I'm gonna let it's it. Not on speak. my list because uh, I was. If anything, a little overhyped for men, and I feel like that shot my enjoyment of that film. Yeah, before. yeah. Uh, so I'm just gonna see what comes out of it because I am a fan of Garland. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah. I won't. I won't go further. <laughs> Civil War. Okay. Uh, next is Challengers, a new flick from Luca Guadagino. Uh, Guadagino. Guadagino. Uh, starring Zendaya. <laughs> uh, so Challengers, I thought was supposed to be. I think supposed to be a 23 release. Oh, really? Okay. Push back because you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a tennis flick with Zendaya oh, and somebody else. I can't remember. Interesting. I have recently been described or heard it be described as a sexy tennis movie. That's so, interesting. <laughs> we'll see how good it is. I'm hearing good things that people are talking. Like it's got some chatter challenges. Am I remembering right that Guadagnino is uh, Call Me By Your Name? Correct. And Bones, uh, and, all. Bones and All. Correct. Oh, wow. I mean, well. Maybe it's going to be a cannibalism uh, tennis movie. That would be interesting. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it is. I, I like tennis, and I like that films are being made, mm. and yet they come around, and, I, and I'm not interested in them. Mm. You know, So like this, I know it's getting good reviews, or people are talking about it, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I'm going to be all that prompted to go and see it. Yeah. You know, King, King Richard, it was a thing. Didn't oh, see it, didn't right, care too right, much. Yeah. And then before uh, that— Talk about a forgotten Well, one. yeah. Oh, oof. And then I would say the Shia LaBeouf one. Um, the Shia LaBeouf tennis one? Who's supposed to portray, portray, uh, portray Johnny McEnroe, Johnny McEnroe, whatever. The famous tennis mm. guy who always like pops He's, off. Oh, right, right. Apparently really good. And it's like, oh, I'm glad that exists. But I don't mm. know if I'm going to sit down and watch sure, it sure. when it comes to tennis films. Yeah. But anyway, being talked about. Yeah. I would say my skin in the game for that one is just uh, uh, Luca's tone of his films. Uh, yeah. Because he's able to... Capture something, um, I, I don't say intimate in a sexual way. They are all sexual movies. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> but uh, they, he's able to kind of uh, create a little window into his characters. I know that may sound, uh, you know, reviewery uh, to it. But uh, <laughs> he, he really he really uh, is able to create an intimacy with characters and what we're watching on screen, which is great. Okay. Challengers, I think that might be a spring release. Mm. Um, so I'm sure it's going to be on our list. Another film he's excited for is Handling the Undead. Uh, this one I have not heard of. No, yeah. Or Nor- a Norwegian film about the unexplained reanimation of thousands of dead bodies in Oslo. It follows the implications of the event through the eyes of the people who live there and the families impacted by the event. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. 
Kind of like a dead don't die type of thing. I'm down for that. That's fine. <laughs> and then the last, this is one of the ones where I'm like, I can't believe it. I forgot to bring that up. Oh, but okay. Matt D's got it here. Uh, Megalopolis. Oh, which is the yes. Francis Ford Coppola directed yeah. um, ensemble sci-fi epic is yeah. how he puts it. And mm-hmm. I would agree with that. I mean, Francis Ford Coppola, he's still around. He's still he's- around. He's still making wine. <laughs> he's still, I think he might have sold the winery. Oh, really? He might have sold it, cashed in on that. Oh, okay, interesting. And he's made like three small independent films or something. Mm, and this okay. is he's been working on this for years. Really? Okay. Uh, this Megalopolis, uh, it's, I don't know what to expect from it. It sure. very well could be the best film of the year, mm. like hands down. Mm. Uh, maybe it's a Napoleon situation. Who knows? Mm, sure. I, I, I don't want to throw too much shade at, at, at Coppola, but... His later career is kind of rough. It's weird. Uh, and it's weird. bloated projects aren't a good sign. Uh, you look at Dracula as a perfect example of that. That that movie's just it's just there's a lot of passion put into it, but yeah. it's such a, such a mess in execution. And I mean, as far as as far as film IP goes, mm-hmm. you can't go much. I mean, because this is a play off of Metropolis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nineteen twenty-seven. So. We'll see. I'm. Ex- it's one of the things I'm most excited for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I would say I'm definitely excited for that. I mean, I'm excited. I have possibly two sci-fi's to talk about in a year <laughs> previously that I had none. So <laughs> uh, the only other one on my list that I forgot to mention was Juror Number Two. Okay. Uh, the latest and probably last film from Clint Eastwood. Oh. Uh, it's got big actors. It's a courtroom drama, <sighs> and. It's, I don't know. It's getting more respect some compared to some of the other later works uh, from Eastwood. by Clint, yeah, yeah especially yeah. the ones he didn't direct but even acted in. Mm, you know, true, things true. like Mule and things like that. Oh, you know? yeah, Cry Macho. Cry These Macho. things that no one's really ever seen. But yeah, yeah. big cast. I heard, and I don't know if this is true. This was a joke. Uh-huh. I did hear that principal photography was shot in two days. Uh, Eastwood is infamous by doing one takes right. only. He's the inverse of like a Stanley Kubrick, yes. where it's like eighty-seven takes. Which uh, I would not like to work with, maybe either. But uh, I don't yeah, like the right, one right. take thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know which side of that because I, I feel it, even if it's not the intention, isn't laziness. It is a lazy action. You know what I mean? As far as the the making of the oh, film. you could probably lose so much because Clint's thing is we can fix it and edit. We can fix it in post. We can mm. fix it in post. Mm-hmm. If a line is not shot great or something, even up mm-hmm. with the camera. You know, but phew, the fact that it's a courtroom drama, I believe it could be shot in two days because you're in one room and you're just <laughs> sure. staging scene that after scene after scene. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but J.K. Yeah. Simmons was just on board for that. Oh, he flew okay. in and shot for it. It's starring Nicholas Holt and uh, some other big names as well. So Interesting. Matt D. still says, last thing, I'm glad we finally got to the bottom of Tom's love for the Irishman. <laughs> Ray Romano, <laughs> which <laughs> I I like the Irishman a lot for a lot of reasons. Ray is just you know he's one piece of the big puzzle. I feel on like you're digging your heels in deeper in this. Lo- I mean, like, it went from like oh I kind of enjoy the Irishman to like <laughs> yeah. I love Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great year and looking forward to the next. Thank you, Matt D, so much. Hey, thanks. Uh those that's a great twenty twenty three list. I didn't I didn't know of Unicorn Wars. <laughs> and potentially it lives inside might be a horror that I might even be into watching, really? I have to say. Yeah. Wow. I if it's the same film I'm thinking about, okay. then yeah. Interesting. And otherwise those twenty twenty four films, absolutely. Civil War, we'll see. 
But uh, okay, all right, Matt. Thank you so much for being a producer here on episode one seventeen, folks. If you're wondering what the hell's going on and who's this note we're reading, basically this is the producer segment, and we are completely producer supported on the daily ratings. And uh, we're not going to throw a bunch of ads in your face. We are not going to have paywalls on the site or a subscription service or anything like that. Uh, Really, the only way we're doing this is a value for value model. So if you're getting value from the daily ratings from the website from the podcast, are you enjoying it? Are you, are you more into film? You're just having a good time hanging out with us every week. Uh, that's value in your pocket. We ask, can you give us value back in our pocket? So you go to thedailyratings.com, you head to the donations tab, and through your monetary support, you become a producer of the daily ratings. Just like in Hollywood, when you financially support a product, you are a producer of that thing. So Matt D uh, has been, continues to be a producer of the mm, daily ratings. A vested interest in this. Yeah, love it. And also when you donate, you can write in a producer note, which is just what we read for Matt. So if you're going to take the time to go to the site and to send some money our way, we're going to take this time right here on the podcast and read a note, whether it be comments, critiques, questions, Anything, anything. If you're producing, we want to hear from you. It kind of opens up a dialogue back and forth. And like in real producer fashion, uh, last year, Matt D had asked or suggested that we put a specific tag or an emblem mm. when a movie is so bad, but it's good. You yep. know, Don't just skip past it when you see a bad score. Yep. Uh, we're going to throw something on there that's just like, oh, it's so bad, it's good. The Tommy Two-Shoe rating. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have some emblems on that so people just, you know, there's something on this site that actually says, oh, no, Tom oh, gave this. Tom actually cared. Right, right. <laughs> and then you can see it's got a, it's a shoe with no lace and it's like, uh, what the hell does that mean? Now and, I'm even more confused. Yeah. <laughs> The point is, being a producer, we take it very seriously, and we just appreciate it so, so much. Uh, It's going to be a great year, a great 2024, so we hope to see so many new producers just kind of join in the Daily Ratings family. Again, it's thedailyratings.com. Head to the Donations tab. uh, Donate and become a producer today. Don't forget to send that donation note in. All right, Vin, let's go on to our last film Mm. as we discuss. We both saw it. We were in the theater together. I found best part of the movie is when I found the secret hallway. Uh, (laughs) He found a secret hallway. Hallway. And I was very excited by it. It was, uh, it was definitely a secret hallway, absolutely. <laughs> uh, still no bathroom in that hallway. That's what yeah. I was really looking for. <laughs> yeah. Regardless, this is the newly released Mean Girls, directed by Samantha Jane and Arturo Perez Jr. And it is Mean Girls. Uh, so it's easy to kind of get confused when you're Googling oh, the films for sure. and everything. And then there's a Mean Girls 2 that yes, was a is. TV movie. Yep, so yep. this can't be called Mean Girls 2. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> So basically, it's uh, it's a bit of a one-for-one remake, and it is a musical. Mm. And I, Vin had said that it was a musical to me, but <laughs> I, I wasn't aware still going into it. Folks, he leans over to me. I'm saying five songs in. He goes, Vin, is this a musical? Uh, no, no. <laughs> I didn't say you said <laughs> I said I did <laughs> I had figured it out by song two that it was a musical. Oh, fair. All right. But I waited to say, I I looked at you and I said, did you know it was going to be a musical? And you look at me and you go, yeah, I told you. Didn't I tell you? And I was just like, oh, you know. Wouldn't have gone. But yes, it is a musical, This so it's a a one-for-one remake, but it's also a musical. Let's get into it right away, Vin. Let's set it up, and how do we like it? Uh, Well, uh, the... uh... Part of why I have some beef with this film is that it is such a one-to-one remake. And uh, it it really depends on what you want to get out of it. So I want to kind of open up with that because if you are looking for the greatest hits type of approach that this is just Mean Girls again with songs... Maybe that's even brought you to the Broadway show that this had. Uh, 
then you'll probably get what you signed up for. Uh, for me, I thought there was going to be a little more done beyond just casting decisions to update Mean Girls 20 years later, right. to infuse uh, this musical uh, spin to it, uh, and really none was there. That can be a positive or a negative, though, because I feel in a beat-for-beat beat remake... I think people just want the classics, maybe with some updated casting. I, so I don't know what to think about it, and I don't know what to compare it to. Mm. I mean, <laughs> you went to the bathroom and came back, and I felt like I had to fill you in, and I was like, hey, this happened. You go, you went, oh, no, no, it's, I know. <laughs> it's a beat for beat remake. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, I didn't realize how much it was. To the point that's almost every line right. as well. Like, the script and is beat for I don't, beat. I don't know how to, I don't know what to compare that to. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like, Yeah, we don't really do, like, just raw remakes on the show. No, I didn't yeah. look like a true grit when that was redone. <laughs> I love that you jumped a jump. <laughs> bigger differences. Wait, I mean, <laughs> Christ, <laughs> this is this is the the girly episode. John Wayne is not being brought up. <laughs> but I, that's I, like it's so much. It's it's almost impressive. Mm. Also, it's somewhat boy Tina Tina Fey is just milking that original script. <laughs> yeah, you know no. what I mean. I, this this really made me look kind of crooked at Tina Fey a little bit because it was like. It, Man, there's, there's just nothing done new well, here. Or know? it's hard to say nothing's done new though, because it is it is a musical. Yeah, true. And true. it is a musical. You know yeah. what I mean? So maybe that's enough. Maybe that that, that could differentiate itself enough. Mm, mm-hmm. And then also maybe it's like, well, no. Or twenty years later, now the people who grew up with the original mm-hmm. now have kids that are viewing age. Right. And this is a month. This is a mother daughter type thing. You know, now. that's a good point. I actually like that angle quite a bit. You know. Um... And maybe the music just does a decent enough job to separate itself. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that's a very good point. I, I didn't even consider kind of a parental angle uh, or, or that being the substance of 20 years later. Right. You know, yeah. With this. But um, I, I will say, folks, I mean, after watching the original, the thought did occur to me that a musical might be a perfect match for the film. You know, many scenes were purely imaginary taking place in Katie's head. Uh, which now can be musical breakouts. I mean, that you know, what else is a musical good for anyway? After watching this, however, the musical spin, I think, just really ruined the structure and the pacing of the movie. So much so that the actual story feels like cliff notes on the original. Oh, interesting. <laughs> on okay. the original Mean Girls, and uh, you know, despite this being thirty minutes longer or, or twenty minutes longer, I don't know what the exact <laughs> runtime. Nearly every aspect of the story, I felt, punch weaker. Uh, to make room for songs that were just all right. Uh, that really is my full position on this film. I feel like the things that it skips by, a simpler uh, parental moments, um, simpler moments even just building the comedy with uh, Katie and Tina Fey's teacher character, simple moments even in the high section of when they are trying to get the burn book from Regina George. All of these felt comp more compact to give real estate to these songs. Yeah. But also I feel like the comedy, the drama, the catty fun punched less because yeah, of it. It was flatter. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would say a, a, a positive here is that Tina Fey is still writing coming off this successful Broadway show. And, uh, you know, eh. To Tom's experience, to I think a lot of people's experience, if you didn't catch it in the sneaky marketing of many many films trying to hide it, yes, this is a full-blown musical. This isn't even like half a musical. This is full-blown musical. I Um, didn't count how many numbers there were, mm, but it had to be eight, something maybe? Eight. 
Maybe, yeah. Which maybe it's an hour and fifty. The original was one thirty-seven. Yeah. This one's one fifty-two. Yeah, which yeah. makes sense when you add those musical numbers in yeah, there. Yeah, true, true. I think it was maybe two, one or two too many. I mean, yes. towards the end there was another one, and both of you and I were just like, "Oh my oh god, Jesus, another <laughs> <Yeah>. one!" <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah, it, it really, it really was too much. Um, I would say there's something about this huge wave of musicals we've seen. Uh, it just makes me wonder if they got a work around the writing strike by just hiring song makers, songwriters. You know, I don't know. That was a that was a loophole. But musically speaking, I found this to just be like just as weak as Wonka and even some of the Broadway bland shit from 2022. Mm. Uh, straight up just too many songs. Uh, and too many songs where there should be still comedic performances in it. You know, Mean Girls is a very funny movie. It's not that it is is lacking comedy. I just feel like almost how editing was my critique of the first Mean Girls. This one, the jokes get you know copped by music's uh, musical performances being around every single corner. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, I listen, folks. I don't mean to be too harsh in my critique of these soundtracks, especially when it could be more subject to taste. But I would consider myself a fan of musicals. I feel like I kind of need to draw a line in the sand on this and. To point to this, every February I do a Fred Astaire series of movies. Like, I like (laughs) musicals. Uh, I'm just telling you, this new wave um, starting in 2022 just feels like it is the bare minimum going on uh, audio-wise. It prioritizes safe over sensational music numbers, and that really is my feeling about this one as well. Seriously, uh, Mean Girls 2024 is really a beat-for-beat remake, as we've been saying, 20 years later, so comparison is bound to happen. Uh, But it's all the broad strokes. Katie moves from Africa, Africa, finds her two misfits friends, and quickly hatches a plan to take down the plastics. Mm -hmm. I would say the only real change here is the casting, some being very strong, others not so much. My main praise goes to uh, Renee Rapp uh, playing Regina George, which, uh, again, I already commented was big shoes to fill. Uh, I feel like uh, Renee really does a great job uh, in this. Yeah, I think she does, yeah. Um, she It's also smart casting because she has a musical career outside of her acting, mm-hmm. so I feel like that's a good match for the musical. I feel like that's a good match for the audience yeah, and you- why we're seeing this be still very successful despite maybe... The stylings not being everyone's flavor. Yeah, did they grab her from the play? Like, did she was she attached to this Broadway? No, I don't think so. Okay, uh, I, I, that was the first thing I looked at for all the cast. I don't think I spotted a single one. Okay, uh, but uh, Broadway plays, I don't know if that's you know. Yeah, it, yeah. It's not. It's not as documented as well uh, when it comes to different renditions and, and fill-ins and things like that. Uh, I, I would say on the opposite side of the casting notes, uh, I, I was not really hot on our main casting of uh, Katie. Uh, you know, it might seem like a stupid critique, but this was not mean enough. And I, I want to talk to the girl yeah. crowd that this movie is for. The reason why Mean Girls is so fun is because of like the catty gossipiness, the connivingness. Mm-hmm. And the way, like you said, Lindsay Lohan can turn it up. Yes. You know, she, she takes on that role really right. well. She really is able, well, well, let me say this. She She's able to work in the ways that uh, Angry Rice isn't able to work. Angry Rice is able to work in the nerdy sense. 
Lindsay Lohan uh, totally. is able to work in you know uh, in the in the uh, plastic sense. So here's how I was kind of putting it in my head here. So yeah, a- Angry Rice is her name. I don't think we've seen her much else, or at least on the podcast. Well, she's uh, oh, she's she the kid, kid in uh, the Nice Guys. A must watch. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was kind of excited to see her on her own. You know. So she she just he, she definitely comes across as soft. Uh, soft voice mm. and definitely nerdy, mm-hmm. and I would say she's playing Jenna Fisher's child in this. Like <laughs> Jenna Fisher is the mom, yeah, yeah. And yeah. She totally imagine if Jenna Fisher has a kid, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's who is in this role. Yep, yep. And that doesn't belong. Like Pam from The Office can't be a bitch. No, you know, no, not at all, <laughs> uh, not at all. And that's kind of how I would say she she does not ever put her. She she never is a believable character mm-hmm. as. The school bitch. Uh, yeah, right, right. Or the, just the plastics yeah. or the manipulative transformation that have uh, you know that happens here, you know. There's just not enough of that transformation into her being a plastic, and part of that requires her to, you know, be hated by the entire school. Yeah. I did not find her performance believable in the sense that this woman or this woman, this this girl was right. hated <laughs> was hated by the entire Yeah, she school. was always too soft, too soft hearted. Exactly. And, yeah, too nice. Yeah. yeah. So while it's not a terrible performance, uh I do think it's a it's a miscast uh, a little bit. Uh and this was me even rooting for Rice. I think Rice worked in the ways that Lohan did not, but on the same exact coin, uh was lacking the Bitchy plastic energy uh, that makes the whole film uh, enjoyable. It's why you watch it, kind of. You know, I feel like the the golden heart of Mean Girls is about you know preventing this girl on girl type of tearing each other down, and that comes eventually. But at the same time, the ride is all about just watching the catty gossip, you know, the the connivingness of it. So. I think what surprised me most of all was how shallow uh, that message was at the end. 20 years later, and I I thought maybe this would have something to say, especially in the age of social media destroying lives and uh, destroying teen girls' (laughs) lives. most of all, yeah. Broadway show or not, this could have adapted more for the times. Um, And I found it particularly frustrating when the fact is we get a presence of TikTok in the in the in the in the musical only as a dance montage, but nothing to actually relate to the topic of these girls yeah. using TikTok or maybe even adapting the burn book into a digital version. I think that's a great point, Vin. Yeah. Especially with social this coming out, you know, the original coming out pre social media. Exactly. Uh they really could have roped it in. But I think it goes back to the thing of we're looking for more than just a beat for beat remake. Mm, exactly. And that's not that was not the purpose of this film. Right. This purpose was to just rinse and repeat mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. some music. <laughs> right, right. And it even speaks to a Broadway. I feel like if something's going to get a Broadway adaptation, they're not going to be creatively changing things up about the story. It's just going to be adding well, musical but, to it. Yeah, because like Broadway, is, it, it's taking the original source piece mm-hmm. and going after it. Now, yeah. when you're back to the film mm-hmm. as a platform, mm-hmm. it, it would have been nice to be improved upon or to modernize. Yeah. Uh, not that the film didn't feel modern, mm-hmm. but that is a great point taking on the social media role or yeah. just like how you could have kind of twisted the original, same exact story beats, yeah. different presentation. Absolutely. Uh, great point. Yeah, and, and it's it's also in that TikTok montage being so 
Well, one, I, ha- I have some issues with the editing of it, but I'm going to put myself aside because no, okay. no one gives a f- about the <laughs> about how it's presented on screen. But like, it, it was so clearly just meant to trend online in the Mean Girls 2024 dance, whatever category mm, of uh-huh. social media, that it just it just had no standing in the story of, of how I felt it should. And uh, even even if it's not meant to be... Yeah, the knife to turn for the message of the story or or to build drama in some way or to be a plot device. I just feel like it was particularly tone deaf to not recognize it in some way. It was like, what? Yeah. Like, I, I, ex- yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think that's where I return to my opening, uh, my opening thoughts on this and that while I didn't really like this film, I think there are, I, I really believe in my critiques to this film, especially after doing the homework uh, <laughs> this week and watching at least Mean Girls uh, 2004. It really just depends on what your skin in the game is on this one, folks. Uh, if you are, if you want the usual, if you want the Broadway flip, if you want the the repeatability of it, go for it. But I felt on many levels the uh, the film came off as tone deaf, and I, I really mean that on many levels. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and give Mean Girls the new one, <laughs> forty eight. Wow, a forty eight. <laughs> oh my gosh, starting off the year strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was our first 2024 film. <laughs> yeah. Mean Girls with the 48. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I was thinking maybe 50s, maybe keep it above that 50 mark for uh, mm. for this episode. But okay, 48 for you, Vin. Well, you know the rules. The rules are if we see a film together in theaters, I have to rate it. <laughs> Tommy Two Shoes. Um, so I, I, I walked away from this film. I didn't hate this movie. Okay. Uh, which surprised me. Sure, sure. So I, I, I think your point is good where... I don't know. Even with the numbers, the musical numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought this I, was going to be a hard no go because of the musical numbers. Well, I hate. I don't yeah, like. Musicals. Yeah, you hate musicals. I don't <laughs> like musicals. Uh, you made a comment in the beginning saying like it cuts. Uh, it can cut the humor and, yeah, and it yeah. kind of just like stops the scene. It just kind of does nothing. I was, that that's musicals to me. Mm. It, the a, a goal of musicals is to make a worse movie, <laughs> in my opinion. All musicals are worse than what they right, ought the to be. The deviation is not more value to the movie. No. Like it's, it's with, a distraction. With, with very slight, <laughs> very slight exceptions right. or minimal exceptions. Yeah. <laughs> so you're totally right with the, the humor is affected by it for sure. The mm. first one is funnier. Yes. And I've not seen it in years or the most written years. It's, but I know that. I mean, movie, this is a refresher practically. For yeah. what hit previous that 04 has some good like yeah. comedic bits mm-hmm. that you really don't get with this one and it doesn't bite as much it doesn't have the teeth mm. you know the, the meanness of the yes. girls in mean girls right w- was never quite there yeah uh it, it's felt so much more in that original as far as the number of songs that's used if mm-hmm. it is seven eight nine whatever it is sure. honestly by the end you and i were just like oh here we go mm. i can't knock the film for it because you know, it, it is. It was a, that dancing girl next to you. But, <laughs> no, it's, a, it's supposed to be. When you say it's a full-on musical, I don't know if I want a half-baked musical. Okay, you know fair, what I mean. Like, fair. if we're gonna have that, we're gonna have songs in the beginning, songs in the middle. You have to have songs at the end, just because mm. you and I sitting there are kind of tired of it sure, by the end. Sure, sure. And that's fine. That's yeah. whatever. Uh, so I can't knock it. So and it's it's just a follow through for the film. It's trying to be something. It is that thing. Whether you and I like it, yeah. whether we're supposed to like it, that yeah, yeah. I, I can't knock it for that. I can't take points away. Um, you made a comment of it prioritizes visuals, mm. or, or I I'm sorry, I wrote down something here that says it it 
prioritizes visuals over lyrics. And that's mm. where you were saying you had issues with some of the actual songs. Yeah, writing. yeah, yeah. I didn't hate I thought it could have been way more generic. Mm-hmm. You know, this was a step up of some uh Disney Channel TV movie thing. <laughs> you know, yeah, it definitely yeah. had some uh legitimacy to it. The mm-hmm. songs weren't all god awful. Yeah. But you're right, the lyrics take a backseat and I think really with the songs it's about the visuals and the choreography going on. Yes, yes. During. Yeah. Uh, everything else isn't supposed to matter that much. So mm-hmm. it's not a bad looking film mm. and some of the stuff, you know, at times I can only imagine it, it was a lot to manage for a scene mm-hmm. dealing with the skinny hallways of the school. You're, uh, yeah. you know, you're in the house at the, the choreography. One party. Yeah, absolutely. It's a tough thing to coordinate. The coordination was good and some of those I think it was more visually striking than what the words are ever going to mean. Mm. Also, I, you could kind of say that about Fred Astaire. Okay. With All Fred right. Astaire, when you think back in the movies, are you are you humming the tunes the next day? Uh, are you thinking <laughs> about how much that guy is tapping away? Fair, fair point. Fair you know, point. When you think about Fred Astaire films, you're just like, oh, that's the movie where he does this bit. Yes. You know what I mean? It's you not the song. You don't themselves. think that's the movie with that right. song. Right. Yeah, And so absolutely. that's kind of where I lie with that. Oh, overall... I don't need to return to this movie again. <laughs> I think it effectively did what it needed to do. I yeah. almost like the fact that it's there, again, to the point of the girl next to me, watching it with her <laughs> mom, who was probably a lover of the 04. Yeah, the generational it, aspect. I think it's a great point you brought up. So remakes and remakes are being made, and we've been talking about a lot lately, just, mm-hmm. just the dredging up old IP. I'm not, I'm not upset that they went back towards this uh, mm, 20, okay. 20 years later. I don't need to see it again. Uh, this gets a this gets a one shoe no oh, lace with th- a smile, <laughs> but with a smile. Okay, uh, this gets uh, wait 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 wait. Go wait, ahead, wait, go wait. Ahead. Okay, I was expecting a Tommy flip flop for one. Not at all. Oh okay. Not, not even close. Okay, fantastic. I mean, close technically on the scale, but not even close. <laughs> right, close in the sense that. They're all close. You know but. where this really came down to? Okay. Well, it's because Napoleon got a shoe with a lace, yeah. and this gets one shoe, no lace. And I sat and I sat it down and had a real conversation with me. Is my frustration with Ridley Scott, the man, and how he, that product failed? Yeah, yeah. But what would I rather watch again? And it's wow. like I would rather watch Napoleon. So this can't be as good as that. <laughs> um, so it gets a smile. So it gets Maybe a smile. Sticker. One shoe, no lace, but it gets a one shoe with a smile. I would say. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, a happy note. Yeah, you're, you're along with the ride. <laughs> Uh, and that's pretty much it. All right, Vin. So looking at these scores here, anything else you want to touch on? Anything for the coming weeks? Or uh, roll credits here? Uh, I, I mean, uh, this was a fun week. It was uh, a fun week. Uh, like I said, I mean, even even the, uh, the fear in my heart was like, what am I? I'm just going to repeat myself for five movies over. Uh, Not at all. Right, right. And I was able to find enjoyment in these. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe have some fun yourself, folks, and, and, and give these a watch. Um, I, I would say for the coming uh, unfortunately, two yeah, weeks. How's January looking? Yeah, January is is uh, a little spooky. I'm a little scared. <laughs> uh, there's not a lot of things. We're probably going to touch on Beekeeper. Okay. Uh, okay. I thought about apparently Beekeeper is related to some other action movies, so I thought about maybe doing that. Uh, but is some of the ones we talked about last week available even to see? That's there was, that's uh, the co- biggest struggle. The Cocoon Shell. Yeah. And then the Polish painted film. Yes. Uh, the Presence. Uh, yes. Yeah. And then inside the yellow cocoon shell. Yeah. Um, there's a decent movie called Origin coming out. I think that's a 24. Uh, but until February, it's uh, it's a little dicey. So. And can you even find those that we just those three we listed off there? Uh, <laughs> See, it, <laughs> it's tough. That's such a shame. You know, such I think it's, I think it's the writings on the wall in the sense that they know January's a, a shovel month already. 
Terrible. Uh, so do they do they try to compete for you know nothing you know pennies uh, as far as the, right, the right. sharing the box office? Yeah. Either way, I think these are the type of moments I get to watch what I want to watch. So I'm hoping to really make some exciting episodes and at least movies I want to talk about. Yeah. And then we have the nightcap of uh, you know it's a movie. Something fun. Yeah, I had to cover this. <laughs> <laughs> See, actually, that's what I do love about these couple yeah. months. It's Vin can I, like. There's going to be good movies on the podcast right, for right. the fact that there's not, not that much in good the theater. Out, yeah. um, it makes, makes it all worth it. So yeah, uh, yeah. stick with us through January, folks. It's going to be a good time. And uh, it's always good to tackle some of those. Always discuss lists that men have. I always <laughs> yes. just picture just, just things like trying to <laughs> – a detective with the string. Oh, with yeah. The red string. The I open board. Up <laughs> yeah. Right. These are the Shakespeare ones. These are the <laughs> – it's the Cronenberg uh, So we're excited. It's Vin's list month in January. <laughs> but all right, Vin, thank you so much for watching all these films here, Vin. Thanks for stopping by tonight. Folks at home, we will run it down one more time. We have 10 Things I Hate About You with a 73%, Mean Girls with a 67 The Devil Wears Prada with a 65 EZA with a 68 and finally, Mean Girls with a 48%. Folks, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. We'd certainly appreciate it. And just a reminder, folks, The Daily Ratings is also completely producer-supported. We want to stay away from advertising, and we don't want to have any paywalls or tier structures or subscriptions. It's all just value for value. So, are you finding value in any of the things we're doing here at The Daily Ratings? Then become a producer and donate whatever amount of value that is. Just go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. And while you're there, you can check out all of the films we're adding to this site. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.